Uh, you back to Combat Learjet podcast. We're excited. We have a super interesting guest today. Uh, we're on with Ryan Weaver, and I'm also here with Derek from uh, Mo Guns, who's running it today. So uh, we appreciate you guys joining in. We're going to jump right into it. It's a, it's going to be a great night tonight talking about this. Absolutely. And before we get into the nitty gritty, we want to thank our first sponsor, uh, Strike Force Energy. They help keep this podcast afloat. If you guys are interested in that, please be sure to use the code COMBATLEARJET at strikeforceenergy.com. It gets you 20% off and it helps support this podcast. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Derek. Well, Ryan, I, I can't tell you how thankful I am that uh, you, you agreed to come on today. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing your story. Uh, here, you, just such a unique uh, background. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Man, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough for bringing me on. I uh, became a fan of yours on Instagram and then we ended up connecting there and, and, you know, the stuff that you're posting is great. And uh, you're, you have a huge following of, of huge, strong, loyal following, which is, is pretty awesome. And, um, you know, I think that we're going to have a lot of interesting conversation today with everything that's going on. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, I I just want to give you an opportunity to, you know, the way we kind of run it, we just talk and, you know, uh, towards the end, as we have people jump in and ask questions, we'll answer a few of those. But uh, I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of share who you are, your story. Uh, like I said early on, it's it's very interesting, your background and the two worlds that you're spanning from aviation to the country music scene. So uh, uh, I'll let you take it away. And uh, I may ask you a question in, in between here and there, but appreciate hearing all your background. Well, I, I went to the Army straight out of high school and came from a small town. Now, let me get back to where I was living before I talk about the military. But I, I, I grew up in West, actually all over the state of Florida, um, small town, Mariana, Florida, and North Florida. If anybody is that's listening out there has heard of it, it's right north of Tallahassee. And I moved to the East, East Coast, Rockledge, Florida in fourth grade, uh, right by, the, by NASA out there. I got to sit on top of my roof and as a kid and watched the space shuttle go off. And, and then I moved to West Central Florida in Citrus County. My hometown is Inverness, Florida. I actually was in Floral City, Florida, where my house was, but I graduated from high school from Inverness, Florida in West Central Florida. A lot of folks have never heard of Inverness, but they've heard of Ocala, and that's about 22 miles northeast of my hometown, Inverness. So I went in the Army. I followed in my brother's footsteps. My oldest brother, Steve, was a ranger and the ranger regiment for the army and the second bat and then he got out went to two years of school then went back in to be a kiowa pilot he flew uh he and he retired as a w4 but i followed in his footsteps and then my brother aaron he was also in the ranger regiment he was in third of 75th he was uh actually in somalia he was in the ambush in mogadishu the actual event he was the only non-commissioned officer that wasn't shot in the whole thing and survived that which was uh and he was on the ground. If everybody out there listening remembers Jeff Struker talking about how P was dead, uh, he was kind of one of the lead characters in the movie. He was my brother's best ranger buddy in the best ranger competition two years in a row. They got fourth. But Aaron was in the second convoy to get the second Blackhawk that got shot down. And um, 
he was in the middle of all of that. If anybody's watched the History Channel interviews, he's at, for the making of Black Hawk Down. He's also interviewed there. So all of that uh, actually happened uh, a couple years after I went in, but I followed in his footsteps as well. And then once he got out of the military after the Range Regiment, uh, he was out for a couple years and going to school just the same. He kind of followed directly in Steve's footsteps and everything that he did. And he went to two years of school and by that time, I was military intelligence uh, stationed at Fort Leavenworth in Kansas, and then I uh, went to Hawaii for three years and came back to Kansas again, was restationed at Fort Leavenworth again, and then got stuck on recruiting duty for the Army, which sucked. And um, But I uh, was sitting at my recruiting station on a Sunday night, uh, and uh, I'd already worked six days that week. That was my seventh day. I was getting ready to put somebody in the army, uh, the next day. And, uh, Aaron called me from Fort Rucker. He had gotten selected obviously and went back in for uh, candidate school and flight school. And he called me and said, they changed vision standards for flight school because it used to be as most aviators out there probably know about the army aviation side of things. It used to be 2020 now it's 2050 correctable to 2020, or it was at the time when I went to flight school. So uh, I didn't think I had 20-20 vision. I put my packet in as an E4 when I was in Hawaii, and I had some problems with pu my pupil dilation, and I could never get it figured out or whatever, get the, the flight physical done. So I resubmitted my packet, and I uh, was selected the first time and was gone three months after I selected my uh, – or didn't put my packet in uh, to Warnock Chicanic School down at Fort Rucker. So – and that was in uh, 99, and I went through uh, flight school, graduated top of my class. Aaron and I were at flight school together, graduated top of my class. So because with his help, I can't say that I did it on my own, but the coolest thing about that was not the achievement, but uh, at my flight school graduation, uh, Steve and Aaron were both there. Steve was prepping to go to Kosovo. And Aaron would, uh, came in from, he was restationed to 82nd as a Kiowa aviator, followed in Steve's footsteps again on that. Um, but they both came to my flight school graduation and the uh, distinguished undergraduate for flight school class and Army Aviation gets to uh, get their wings pinned on uh, by themselves. So both my brothers were there to pin my wings on together. And that was, uh, we actually made Army history. When we did that, we were the first three brothers to fly as warrant officers at the same time together. And uh, I was pretty, uh, I was extremely proud of that accomplishment in that we, I was, you know, following in my brother's footsteps to graduate and, and finish. But the uh, uh, the ability to have my wings pinned on was with by both my brothers who I respected uh, deeply uh, and became a Blackhawk guy. I decided to go with Blackhawks. And reason I went with Blackhawks and you know I did a pros and cons list with Steve while he was there because he was there actually I think he was back for a second he was back for a second deployment or something like that um I'm trying to figure out how it all went down but anyway he oh he was there for a uh, uh, flight instrument examiner's course that's what it was for the um uh for the second time coming back so he and I did a pros and cons of a list of which aircraft to fly and Initially, I was looking at Chinooks, and then um, back when I went to fly or pick aircraft, they had, the Chinooks were still held at the higher echelons, 
and the duty stationing was limited. And so that, and plus the, the multiple roles and the different things, everybody knows that the Chinook is the most maneuverable aircraft the Army has as far as uh, helicopters are concerned. Um, but, uh, you know, the multiple roles, the different duty stations, um, much Steve, my older brother, although he was a Kiowa guy said he always wanted to be a Black Hawk aviator. Um, and I respected his opinion and, and the quality of aircraft. And, uh, the only thing I would never fly was, a Apache just because they look cool. Doesn't mean I think they're cool, <laughs> but I do have some great friends that went to fly Apaches. I just, it wasn't an aircraft I was interested in. So. I ended up doing the black, getting Blackhawks and being restationed to Germany. And in 2003, I was deployed to Iraq. And uh, my boots were in the sand. I believe it was uh, April 1st in uh, 2003. And was in Camp Udari down there for all y'all folks who got to spend some time down in Kuwait before you went up to Iraq. If there are some folks out there that had done the deployment thing. We were in Camp Udari for a little bit, and then I flew across the border, and we were restationed uh, or deployed into Baghdad International Airport, where we took 3rd Infantry Division's place. And I flew all the way up until January 8th of 2004, which I uh, <clears throat> got done with a flight and went into the company UCP. And... Uh, they had on Fox News that a Black Hawk had been shot down just west of Baghdad and with no information. And um, and then a long story short of that, I mean, I could tell you guys all about the day and exactly how everything went down. And I mean, it seems like it was yesterday still. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I woke up that next morning with my company commander calling me into his tent to tell me that my brother Aaron which I got to let me take a step back. Aaron was actually deployed there a, a few months before, I think it was October of 2013. And I wasn't, or excuse me, 2003. And I wasn't, um, I didn't, I wasn't aware that he was there until he um, surprised me after a flight uh, while I was carrying the assistant deputy chief of staff for the first armor division on a, a gen, uh, VIP support mission. And uh, Aaron had been sitting in my company CP pretty much all day because he was a cancer survivor and uh, was non-deployable and got a waiver to go to Iraq because his little brother was there and his <laughs> other brothers were there and his sisters and didn't want to be left behind because he was a warrior. And uh, right. so he was non-deployable and got that waiver. And uh, he was actually uh, part of the waiver was he had to get bi-monthly blood screenings done for his uh, uh, the cancer to make sure that it hadn't come back. And, um, so the, the, when he surprised me, he was coming back from one of those bi-monthly blood screenings from Baghdad hospital. And, uh, he'd stop over where we were at and then get a medevac helicopter ride out to out to Tatum where he was just, uh, Southwest of Fallujah. But anyway, so, uh, I found out that he was, he was on the back of that aircraft that was shot down and killed everybody on board. He was on his way a in a medevac helicopter to get uh, one of those bi-monthly blood screenings done. And he and I actually had chatted a few days before that. And he uh, sent me a message which said he was uh, accepted into the Sessions program for the 160th. Um, so he was about to be one of the Army's elite helicopter aviators. And I have absolutely no question or doubt that he would have been. And... Um, 
So when you guys see me sign, be safe on everything, those were the last two words that he typed to me in that Yahoo instant message when we were wow. chatting back and forth. And he was actually supposed to fly in. Um, he was supposed to fly in a couple of days or the day after that or two days after that. And I had my schedule set up to where I was going to be off for him to fly in. So we talked about it on that Yahoo instant messenger. Um, a couple of other things as far as that story is concerned. Um, on January 2nd, the first female cavalry captain, company commander, um, was killed in action when her Kyle was shot down Kimberly Hampton. And she, um, <clears throat> excuse me, she, uh, her memorial service was on January 4th. And I flew one of her college roommates uh, and uh, several other officers out to attend the memorial service. And Aaron was there. And, you know, we talk, I talk about this in the, you know, every time that I talk about it, <clears throat> he heard tap after taps was done and the memorial service was over. He came over, he had tears in his eyes. And uh, if you want to talk about somebody that was his, I mean, he was hard as woodpecker lips, man. He was, mm. uh, he was, he was Iron Man. Like he was, he was a superhero. And yeah. that, that's something that, you know, he came over to me and said, I hate that song. I've had too many friends buried to it. And, um, you know, we got to hang out for a little bit that day and came over to my aircraft. And it was kind of cool because, you know, he had, he had the glass cockpit and his and I had the old Alpha Charlie model, uh, UA-60 Alpha Charlie model with nothing but, you know, normal instrument, basic stuff. And uh, he got and sat in my, my seat and, and he's like, man, you got so many effing buttons and switches in here. <laughs> And I'm like, well, we don't use half of them, but he, he's used to seeing, you know, television screens and his 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 aircraft that had an engine big enough to start our two engines. But uh, wow. about the same as the APU. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, so. Um, so he got out and he, he had my crew chief take a picture, he said, take a picture for posterity and um, <clears throat> for with his camera. And then uh, he was a handshaker. So I uh, I went to shake his hand and he gave me a big old hug mm. and becoming a father changed him. The last couple of times I, I got to hang out with him because he, he surprised me again around Thanksgiving over at Baghdad International. But um, I could tell he was a different person. He was he he was much calmer and more pe at peace. Somalia made him hard and it made him uh, have. I mean, he had to deal with a lot of stuff like that. But but I, and then that hug, you know, is one of the last enduring things that he ever did with me and i remember where we had uh we're getting ready to take off and i remember him walking away and turn around and smiling as as we we're uh getting ready to lift off that was the last time i saw him um so i returned back from iraq uh the last day i flew was the day he died and um i returned back from iraq it took me three days to get home uh I think Aaron was one of the first uh, killed in action from uh, Florida, one of the first few uh, from the state of Florida. And then um, he was the first from our county, but there were news. I came back to news cameras and I mean, it was crazy. And then um, redeployed as a redetachment commander after, well, I mean, I walk, it's hard to, sometimes the chronology of this gets a little, sure. you know, a little bit, uh, emotional when I talk about it, but our hometown shut down the main 
<clears throat> highway and we, I walked behind this horse-drawn caisson for two and a half miles down our main, down our main street into our high school football stadium. And um, we had his, his memorial service after a close or a um, close friends memorial service in the uh, in the funeral home. We had a public memorial service on our high school football field at the 50 yard line. His, um, and uh, the day sucked. It was the second worst day of my life next to finding out he when he died. And I was in a fog the whole time. Um, our family was destroyed. And uh, anyway, so I, I uh, redeployed to Germany. As, and, and guys, or everybody that's listening, guys, gals, whoever's listening, um, this, this time makes makes it easier but it doesn't take away what you're hearing in my voice yeah it does yeah. it doesn't make anything different um he's still gone and he always yeah. will be but anyway um so i redeployed to germany as a redetachment uh exo executive officer and then yeah. was restationed at fort rucker as a tac officer and a um and then became a flight in, or excuse me, not a flight instructor. I became a, uh, an instructor in the uh, academic classroom for one officer career college, and I finished out my career. Then I never flew again, uh, actually, until uh, just a few weeks ago, yeah. or about a month ago. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you guys about that. But um, so I started uh, as a right after becoming a TAC officer or leaving the TAC officer. Um, job I, I i did the fort rucker military auto competition and uh i got second i got runner up in that and the guy that went on to when he went on to do nationals fort rucker had their 50th anniversary celebration and tracy lawrence and daryl Worley came and i uh, got to do an opening show on one of the uh, on another airfield but i got to do one of the opening shows for the whole day and i met up with the army band uh, guys, a bunch of non-commissioned officers or a group of non-commissioned officers that were playing off post, extremely talented musicians, uh, and they needed country added to their set list. So I started playing in all the, the, uh, sorry, um, all the bars and the local bars around Fort Rucker, Enterprise, Dothan, Alabama, all around there, around the Southeast. And then, uh, I made a goal for myself that every six months I would move to a bigger club uh, and stay there. So we started moving to the medium sized clubs and had to travel out a little bit further away. And then the guys started getting super busy with the army band. We did a a high school. I got to do a high school tour with them, the rock band, which was kind of cool. We went to 10 different high schools and came in as a Nashville recording artist with them, which was really cool. But, um, but then I moved to another band and, and, Worked with them for a little bit to move to the larger club scene. Started playing the big clubs like the Whiskey and Whiskey River. I think the Whiskey River was down in uh, Pensacola and the Whiskey was in Macon, Georgia and their gigantic clubs. And, and then playing uh, down in Florida, Central Florida as well. And moved on from that group of folks onto uh, several different musicians down in, down in Central Florida. I kind of started hiring guys out of uh, Central Florida to do... Uh, that I became friends with to, to do shows with me and started open up for national acts and got to open up for Blake Shelton and Craig Morgan and um, Montgomery Gentry got to meet Troy before. I mean, Troy a, a while back, super kind guy. It's sad to see him go uh, in that helicopter crash of all things. Um, but 
Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it was just a great, you know, things just really started taking off and I was traveling back and forth to Nashville every other weekend. And then when I got out of military in 2012, retired with almost 21 years, I, um, and yes, if you guys check out the timeline from that, um, I made a, a conscious decision on my own because it was the best way that I felt would be, um, uh, my contribution to the army aviation community. Um, I don't, I didn't feel that because it took me two years to look at a black Hawk, um, that my mind was in the right place to be in a cockpit with an, another aviator or people in the back of my aircraft. Uh, they deserve to, to be flying with somebody who was in the right state of mind, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, and, and I made the decision to, uh, execute my, uh, sole survivor status for no, uh, no longer being deployed as an aviator. Uh, but I did put all of my heart and soul into training future warrant officers to take my brother's place. And, um, you know, I don't regret it one bit. There are other guys that could have handled it probably a lot more, a lot differently than I did. But, uh, uh for me, I think that the impact that I'm going to be able to make, uh, as a, as a combat veteran, a gold star family member, uh, you know, I, I felt that it, the best way that I could contribute was to let people know or about things that they didn't ever have have experiences with, which would be the military, since there are so few of us in the United States as far as the population is concerned. Uh, and I would, my goal was always to get to sold out stadiums, sell them, singing my song. So, so Absolutely. I retired and went, uh, moved up to Nashville, and it took me a little bit of time to get on my feet up here was working at the wild horse saloon that everybody's probably heard about in Nashville as a bar back and a personal trainer and going to school full-time at Embry riddle and finished my bachelor's degree using a post 9-11 Montgomery GI bill and, uh, met my wife and started, um, being able to get back into the music scene. And in 2014, I met David Corlew, who was Dave, who's Charlie Daniels manager in an event that I did with them. And, he invite or he invited me to sing on the Ryman Auditorium stage to open up as one of the opening acts for Charlie. Um, in 2014, then in 2015, we did the Volunteer Jam. I played between Ted Nugent and Michael W. Smith at Bridgestone Arena. Wow! And then yeah, and then um, and then uh, on September 11th, of 2015, uh, I got to play perform on the Grand Ole Opry on sep- uh, to a sold out crowd with Charlie Daniels introducing his second ever um, Grand Ole Opry segment, which was a huge honor. And every single one of these stages I got to get on, I got to tell the story about my brother. Mm. Um, but I need to back up because I want to say in 2014, um, I got to get on these stages and talk about my brothers because on December 17th in 2013, my brother-in-law, Randy Billings, was piloting a uh, Black Hawk in Afghanistan, and he uh, was doing a reconnaissance of a uh, radar tower uh, and a, or a cell tower or something to that effect. I don't know the particulars because I believe it was a classified flight, but they said that's what was going on. That was unclassified. Um, and uh, the Taliban had set up a, a ground or an IED and it uh, exploded underneath the aircraft and blew the tail boom off the aircraft. And, uh, they rolled down the mountain, uh, several hundred feet and 
there was one survivor that was actually in the back of the aircraft, one of the passengers. He survived it and uh, it killed everybody else on board. So our family became a two-time Gold Star family in 2013. So on the Ryman Auditorium stage and on, on Bridge, at Bridgestone Arena where there was a sold-out crowd, and on the Grand Ole Opry stage, there was a sold-out crowd. Um, and then again at the uh, the um, Bridgestone Arena for Volunteer Jam, uh, I was able to tell people about my story and about my brothers and their sacrifices. And um, and you know, the my career started really taking a huge jump after those performances. We ended up doing Burn, the music video that a lot of folks have seen parts parts of out there, if not the full thing. We did a music video with two survivors from Benghazi, Chris Peranto and John Tigan, very good friends of mine. Um, we got that video done in Paramount, gave us authorization to use some of the movie trailer clips in there. I got an all-law enforcement first responder uh, military or military family cast uh, as extras, along with uh, John and Chris, um, Tig and Tonto, as everybody knows them. Um, and uh, once that happened, I, I played a show out in Colorado and opened up for Doc and Warrant and Great White. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, country music opened up for those guys. I fit right in. If you guys haven't listened to Burn, you'll probably see that I could fit in with, with the best of any 80s rock band that's out there. Um, but uh, we did a show, and Sean Gleason, the CEO of PBR, was in the front row and played for 200 people. Just all the bike riders just came back from a veteran's ride. And uh, there were probably 15,000 people by the end of the evening, but I played to 200 people like I was playing to a sold-out arena, like I sh did every show. I got to tell Aaron's story and Randy's story. Brought Oz from 13 Hours up on stage with me. And Sean Gleason came up to me after the show and handed me his card and said he was interested in getting us, getting me involved in some of the stuff the PBR was doing. And um, I had no idea who he was. Uh, I, I was grateful. I, I've always wanted to get involved with the PBR, shook his hand, talked to him for a little bit, talked to everybody else that was around, went up, uh, sold some merchandise. He was there to, uh, he, he checked out my merchandise and whatnot. And I went back to my bus and, and, uh, looked at his card and saw it was a CEO PBR. And <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the, the head cheese, one of the biggest sports net, sports organizations in, in the, international sports organizations but one of the biggest sports growing sports organizations in the united states right now and um so i went out and talked to him apologized i didn't give him more time and he said no ryan you you treat every single person like they're the most important person in front of you and that's what we want involved in the pbr and um you know it's uh, i tell my guys before every show we do a prayer and i say they make this your last show i mean it's we're, we're going to put it out all on stage because if there's anybody that knows that you can have plans for the future and it can all be taken away from you in a split second, I'm that guy. Mm. And uh, that's how I've lived it, lived my life and lived as a country music artist and uh, never passed up an opportunity to be able to share their stories. And now we're about to be on a world stage with the PBR World Finals. Um, and uh, with all the stuff that's happening uh, around the nation right now, I got a feeling that I might be on the national stage a little bit sooner than that because the world finals finals are in November. And, and as the patriotic voice of the PBR, they're bringing me in to uh, talk about their, we stand united pledge and uh, we're all the PBR or the professional bull riders have signed a pledge to stand here in a national anthem, uh, every national anthem, regardless of what country they're in. And, and these are bull riders from multiple nations around the world that are competing in the PBR. So 
so that's pretty much you know up to this point that's the long and short of things that i could have probably made that a little bit shorter but hopefully you know that'll give everybody an insight as to who i am and what i'm doing and you know why my posts are what they are and and that kind of stuff so well ryan that's fantastic uh you know as i'm just listening to that i i i know i i speak for everybody listening and everybody that's going to listen to this uh how much we appreciate um the sacrifices that your family has made for this country um i i can't even begin to imagine going through some of that stuff and and i, I think what you're doing is fantastic i i think that uh the voice that you talk about is is awesome and uh you know when i when i first ran into you it was immediately evident to me that you're you're doing a fantastic job uh, getting that out there and sharing those stories and uh i know both your brothers would be proud of what you're doing and uh Thanks. i i appreciate i appreciate you coming on and talking about that and i know that's hard and um i i'm a I'm obviously, uh, you made a point in there about you didn't fly again. And I just want to reinforce that. I, I, I'm with you on that, brother. I uh, I don't think anybody looks at that like, oh, you, you, you didn't fly. I, I, that's a fantastic decision you made. And uh, I just want to encourage you in that as I listen to that story. That, uh, well, I appreciate that. And I, I do, I, I can share the story about flying again. I actually uh, got to get in a... Uh, I think it's an R44, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of those little mosquito helicopters that you always see out at the, <laughs> out at the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I got to get in one of those with a, a guy who is a, he was actually an Apache guy and then a, a Kiowa guy. Uh, and then, um, but he, he now owns his own helicopter company down in, um, down in Texas. JC is his name, JC Anderson. If you, any of you guys know who he is, but, incredible incredible he's an instructor pilot in like six different aircraft and are qualified in six different aircraft and instructor pilot in every one of them and one of the most uh humble and kind uh individuals that i've run into in a while and it's crazy to think that he went through flight school was done with flight school and out of the army um after i had already left uh or, or excuse me i wasn't an instructor and i would have never seen him going through flight school or anything like that even in my my time around there it was kind of interesting but um but he he got you know he got me in the in, in the aircraft and said you know i was just i actually the first time i got up in an aircraft was at a halo for freedom uh warrior foundation event if anybody has ever heard of them check them out a great nonprofit organization that supports camaraderie and and uh you know the healing process of of wounded veterans um and i've kind of attended these these events as um a, a veteran and a, a supporter a, a national voice for the organization um but i i had not flown until just earlier this year, I I had not even gotten in a helicopter. I mean, my wife got in a helicopter in Las in Vegas last year, and I freaked out. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was tough, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. My family doesn't have a great history in helicopters. Mm -hmm. um, my brother Steve still flies. He's he's still he works with a civilian company down in 
St. Augustine and he still flies and deploys with that civilian company. Uh, scares me shitless every time I, every time it happens or every time it goes, but I got to trust that the best is going to happen. And he's one of the best aviators I've ever, that, that I lost him there for a moment. Are we here? Yeah, we lost you for just a second there. Yeah, I have no idea what the and my connection was lost, but then it came back. Sorry about that. Um, but anyway, so um, my brother deploys. I don't know what the last thing was at your, but my brother deploys. He still flies. But uh, but anyway, I got got in, and I was just gonna take a. We did some helicopter hog hunting down in Texas, and pissed a lot of a lot of left leaning folks off because they didn't un they don't understand the the hog problem down in Florida or excuse me down in Texas they don't understand how out of control that is but uh it was also therapeutic for veterans to get up there and be able to shoot some shoot something <laughs> yep and um and to be able to help out local farmers uh and do it in in such a manner that you know was was exciting uh you know, did some repelling and those kind of things. They, they did all that, but I got in the back of a helicopter while a, a friend of mine, Gary marriage and one of the, he actually did a whole lot of support in the veterans. He was one of the major uh, contributors to the vid burn music video, but, um, uh, and videoed it the whole time was on live Facebook. But, um, anyway, he, um, I, 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 that was the first time I got up in a helicopter and it, it didn't feel bad. It didn't feel it was it was a little bit emotional uh, to sure. start um but but other than that it was a great experience to get back up and then um we went to colorado john tigan has an annual hog roast out at his house and i was the entertainment for it this year and we went out to a veteran's home they did a skydive out there and then the uh helicopter jc took me uh i asked him if i could fly back with him and he said, sure. And then he, on the way back, he's like, Hey man, you want to fly? And I'm like, I don't know, brother. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is something I want to do. And then, uh, man, that helicopter just flies itself. It's got <laughs> its vertical stable or vertical fin is just like, you don't have to have your feet on the pedals. You know what I mean? It's just, this little, it's almost like flying a remote control inside the remote control, <laughs> Wow! but wow. It, it's really a great helicopter to fly. If anybody hasn't flown one, I'm sure if they got in it, they would really enjoy it. But, uh, I, he, he gave me the controls, man. And it was, it was, you know, just like I had not, stepped out of an aircraft to fly for 14 years wow. you know, that's awesome or 10 years excuse me yeah no for 13 years but um anyway so there was a, an amazing experience and then this a, a couple weekends ago we had another event out in wyoming with the halo for freedom wyoming chapter and um they were doing they they did several uh skydive jumps with uh on the veterans out there but they were doing helicopter target shooting um, they got them to, they had planes for them to be able to jump out of there. But, uh, and then when he, he flew back to the, the airport, um, asked me if I want to fly again, but this time we were uh, flying, looking for wires and flying low enough. And I landed it and I mean, did the whole, that was just uh, the first time was just an altitude and altitude and heading thing. And, but this time we did a traffic pattern, you know, just do what you do normally do to fly. Like everybody wouldn't think it's, you know that big of a deal but to be out to and i had passengers in the back too but to, to fly it 
you know, do the things that I used to do. It was just a, a, a really therapeutic experience. Um, and to, to be able to get to do that again. And uh, I had it not been for another veteran reaching out yeah. and saying, man, let's just do this together. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that I, I don't know if I would have ever gotten back in, a, in a, an aircraft to do it. Um, yeah. So it was an amazing thing, man. But, uh, you know, the cool thing is I get to be in a position that I'm in right now to uh, to do the same thing for other other people. But now at a, a much larger scale. So anyway, I'll stop talking and let you guys. Ask. No, it, it's great, brother. And we appreciate that. I, I think what uh, if you're willing to stay with us one more segment, we'll wrap up this first segment. We'll take a few break, a uh, few minute break. Yeah. And then we'll come back. And then uh, on the next segment, maybe we'll talk about uh you know, I'm, I'm interested in any uh, cool flying stories you maybe have for that. And then I'm also curious on, you know, what's next for you uh, as you begin to, you know, uh, continue to grow on this uh, national stage. So uh, and then lastly, maybe we'll talk about some of the current political events going on in our country. If you if you wouldn't mind coming back and talking about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get our Patriot on. That awesome. sounds great, man. Awesome. So uh Appreciate those listening. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up uh, this session. We'll take a few minutes break. And uh, if you'll stay with us, Ryan, we'll be back here in just a couple minutes. <laughs> 